Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Cheyenne Dunham, and I want to welcome you to the Friday, December 13th episode of the Bull Bear Banter. Today, I'm joined by Tom Guinan, and he will be giving us a recap of the markets. Tom? Sure, Cheyenne. March 2020 corn ended today at 381. That's up three and a quarter for the day, and for the week has gained four and a quarter. New crop corn for December of 2020 finished at 395 and a quarter, up two for the day, and for the week is up five. January soybean futures ended today at 907 and a half up nine and a quarter, and for the week has gained 18 cents. November 2020 soybeans ended at 9.51, which is up seven and three quarters, and for the week they are up 13 and a half cents. So Tom, a little bit of a pretty strong finish for the week, I would say, and we even spiked up higher here in the middle of the day, and I think at one point soybeans were up 19 on the future side. I think so, yeah. And that kind of segues us and gets us started on what we're seeing for our big story this week. So I think the big story this week is it's complicated. Apparently there is an agreement between the U.S. and China regarding a phase one agreement, but as they say, the devil is in the details, and to this point, um, we haven't seen a signed agreement spelling out those specific details. The December 15th tariffs won't be implemented, and some of the previous tariffs will be reduced by as much as 50%. So this announcement, this press conference came out early, mid-morning, somewhere around there. We saw a lot, a lot of market volatility as, you know, as the speech was being presented, but we didn't have a lot of specific numbers. We didn't have timelines, any of that. So a little later in the day, we did see a, a quick wire come out, kind of outlining some more specifics. Again, nothing signed in writing, official sealed deal, but just to give us a better idea of maybe what we can expect from this phase one. So U.S. Trade Representative Lighthizer said that China has agreed to make a best effort to get U.S. ag purchases to $50 billion level, and China has agreed to purchase $16 billion more in U.S. ag goods during the first year, and that's up from the baseline figure of $24 billion from 2017. Lighthizer also said that the U.S.-China agreement will increase U.S. trade to China by $200 billion over a two-year period, and that China has agreed to build in enforceable changes to business practices, including an end to pushing U.S. companies into technology transfers. Going on from that, Representative Lighthizer said that 30 days after signing the agreement, the U.S. will lower tariffs on Chinese goods and does not see a need to raise tariffs on Chinese goods outside the enforcement scheme. Finally, Lighthizer said that the U.S.-China agreement is set to carry on indefinitely, so we don't have a, it's good for such a period of time and everything. So again, we're still waiting for some signed, sealed specifics there, but definitely helps to put a little bit of a number on things. Moving on from that, there's actually more than one story this week as far as big news market movers. The United Kingdom election, Boris Johnson and his conservative party won by a wide margin. He campaigned primarily on getting Brexit done. And now we go back to the details. Can this be done by the January 31st deadline? If, when, do they leave the EU? Then what happens? And there is talk of Scotland leaving the UK because they want to remain aligned with the EU. The third thing we saw this week in our big news is an announcement earlier this week. The U.S. House of Representatives have agreed with the White House on some changes to the USMCA NAFTA II agreement. And now we are hearing from some Republican senators that they don't like the changes. It's going to need to pass both houses before there is anything to sign. 
so it's been a while since we've talked about this, but it's kind of still in the works on the back burner there. And finally, the House Judiciary Committee voted to proceed with two articles of impeachment this morning. This followed 14 hours of debate on Thursday. Now the full House will vote early next week. If, as expected, they vote to impeach, it goes to the Senate for the trial. So a lot going on there, Tom. You know, it's kind of hard to pick something out. Obviously, U.S. and China took front and center today, but there's always things, you know, going on in the background that traders are thinking about, too, while they're making these market decisions. Sure, exactly, Cheyenne. I'm not really sure where to throw any of those four bullets on the bull bear spectrum. You know, especially that Chinese deal, we hear a lot of numbers, and it's hard to conceive how they're going to buy that much more from the U.S. in ag products. So I've heard things such as, well, they're going to they're going to buy more Milo. They're going to buy more ethanol. They're going to buy more corn. Well, they haven't bought a whole lot of any of those yet. So if that happens, that could be bullish for some of our products. But again, I'm with you. Let's see what the signed document says and what actually happens. So here's some of the things I'm considering bullish for corn. We've pretty much wrapped up corn harvest in most parts of the U.S. Now the attention is starting to shift to South American planting progress for corn, with Brazil at 92% versus 98% on average. Argentina is said to be 56% complete versus 66% last year and 57% on average. I'm going to continue to keep ethanol in this column again this week. Last week's production of 315 million gallons marked the 11th consecutive week of rising production. That's also the highest weekly number we've seen in almost half a year. This is also the third week in a row that that number has exceeded that magic 310 million gallons we'll need to see on average to hit the USDA's forecast for corn demand for ethanol. The other good news this week is that the Corn Board avoided that September 9th low of 365 and three quarters. It did get down as low as 371 and a quarter, but now with our close today, we're more than 15 cents from that September 9th low. And one other piece of uh, good news is export sales of 874,000 metric tons were above expectation. That's the equivalent of 34.4 million bushels and it exceeded the previous week of 21.5 million bushels. Now keep in mind these are sales, not actual loading, so things can and probably will change. So Tom, on the bear side for corn, somewhat lost in all the news mentioned earlier is that the USDA released their latest WASDE report on Tuesday. While we don't generally expect much in the December report, it was interesting to see that as far as corn and soybeans go, there was no change at all. There was a little change in the wheat supply and demand with the U.S. ending stocks dropping 40 million bushels due to a slight reduction in imports and a small increase in exports. Actual export inspections for corn were 18.9 million bushels, the same as last year, and near the middle of the expected range. However, this number is about half of the same week last year. To reach the USDA's estimate for the year, we'll need an average of about 38 million bushels per week, and so far this year, the highest number we've seen in the first 14 weeks of the year is 25.6 million. I would expect a downward change to exports at some point, perhaps in that January report we're all waiting for. I'm going to keep 2020 corn acres in the bear column. We've got a long way to go to get to the March 31st prospective planting report, but most analysts expect a number close to 94 million acres. A lot can change in the next few months, but that is significantly higher than this year's 89.9 million acres planted. Well, Cheyenne, let's jump over to the soybeans. On both factors, exports remain strong compared to last year. Inspections for last week were 48.8 million bushels, pretty much in line with expectations, even if they were a little lower than last week. That's still quite a bit above the number for this week last year, which was 34 million. 
We're now 22% ahead of this time last year. Maybe if this phase one deal is for real, we'll see some more export sales before South America starts to harvest. South American soybean planting is lagging with Brazil at 91% complete versus 97% last year and 93% on average, while Argentina is 54% complete versus 58% last year and 59% on average. Today marked the eighth day of the past nine trading sessions with a higher close for soybeans. We're still about 50 cents below the high set in mid-October for futures, but it's probably time to start putting some offers in for bushels you've got in storage, whether you've got them at home or in the elevator. Basis has been firming, so I guess the question is, are you waiting for 875 or nine bucks? Just let us know and we'll put in an offer. Tom, on the bear side for soybeans, last week we talked about a soybean processing plant in Argentina facing major financial problems, and today comes word that they have suspended operations and are trying to restructure their debt. At first glance, you might assume that this is a good thing for U.S. farmers, and in the long term, it might be. But for now, it's a negative simply because it removes some crushing demand for this year. Well, Cheyenne, today's vocabulary word, triscodecophobia. 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 Cheyenne had bet me that I couldn't say that three times fast. This is the unnatural fear of the number 13, and here we are on Friday the 13th. I'm not generally superstitious, but I do know quite a few people that expect bad things to happen on them when a Friday lands on the 13th. I think I'll go home and set up a ladder in the garage and walk under it. Well, Tom, on our What to Watch for in upcoming events, the annual meeting for Landis Cooperative is Wednesday, December 18th, with registration beginning at 9 a.m. RSVPs are encouraged for that. Christmas is less than two weeks away. We hope you've all done your shopping. As we mentioned last week, we'll be rolling out our averaging contracts soon. We think this is probably the best marketing alternative we offer. Year in and year out, it performs very well. We encourage you to learn about it and enroll a percentage of your expected production into this program before the deadline. And finally, January 10th is going to be the next USDA WASDE report. As far as why does this all matter, we've seen a pretty good uptick in prices lately. And yes, I think we both agree it'd be nice to see some more, but we also would encourage you to just keep putting in some offers. We saw several of those offers hit during the overnight trade this week, and then, as you mentioned earlier, by the end of the day, prices are somewhat lower than where they were either during the trade or during the overnight trade. Last night today was a good example of that in both corn and beans. I think that's all we have this week. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send us a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at LandisCooperative.com. Our tagline is bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you again next week. Mm-hmm.